Welcome to Fireside Financial. Together, Joe Curry and Regan Schiller offer and discuss insights and advice on all aspects of retirement planning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us by the fireside as we explore all the topics related to planning for your retirement. All right, Joe, episode two, Fireside Financial. So as promised, sorry, CPP and OAS is the topic today. Yeah, so this is something that you mentioned that before when we were going over topics, gets a big hit on your YouTube or uh, any other channels when you're putting information out. And, you know, I'd say I see the exact same thing. It's a question that so many people have as they're starting retirement or getting close to retirement or even just getting to that age where they can start to receive these benefits. So I'm sure that our listeners are happy we're talking about it again, and I'm excited to get your perspective today. Yeah. You know, my perspective over the years has definitely changed and largely due with the advancement in our software and being able to run unique scenarios. And it truly, there is no hard rule, I would say, with CPP and OAS of when to take them because it's very unique to every individual. But I often find that that's one of the bigger questions, like when do I start drawing it and, you know, how much would I expect to receive and questions about like, well, if I get the CPP estimator from my CRA website, is it assuming that I'm still working to 65 if I delay? And questions of that in that nature come into play. Yeah. One of the things I've definitely shifted, I guess, in my practice over the last few years is, I guess, a push to have people delay further. And to your point, I mean, every situation is different. But yeah, with the software and with some more research done by FP Canada recently on delaying CPP, like the benefits of that, it's looking more and more like the right choice for a lot of the clients that I'm working with anyway. I'm not sure kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, for the most part, it does. Like, it's funny. Sometimes it'd be, what if husband took it at 63, wife took it at 65, or you start moving that toggle between 60 and 70 for each individual. There becomes a, you know, a mute point where it doesn't seem to have a positive or negative effect on their plan, but yep. then you extend it two more years and all of a sudden now it's like a 2% increase in the plan success. So yeah, but typically speaking, yeah, the longer they would delay receiving that income, it's just more of a guaranteed income that they would receive. So this might mean that we got to draw more out of their RSPs in the first five, 10 years. But then once CPP kicks in, they have less amount in their RSP account, which is now going to have to convert to a RIF, which would add more income as well. But the numbers seem to balance out really good in their plan. And as well as it gives them more of a guaranteed amount for the rest of their lives. And typically doing that strategy, there's less chance of OES clawback. Yeah, it's a really good point. So there are a few things I'm looking at when I'm thinking about delay, and that is one is just from a taxation standpoint, mm -hmm. anything left, as you know, in RIFs, when someone passes away or their surviving spouse passes away is fully taxable. So it's not the ideal place to be leaving investments. Yeah. So that kind of period between age 60 and 70, and this is especially for people who have higher amounts in their retirement accounts, right? Or just mm -hmm. the investments in general. So, you know, this might look a little different for someone in a different situation, but if we can kind of take that period and delay CPP and OAS after 65, take more investments or withdrawals out of those retirement accounts when we're in that lower tax bracket, yeah. then once they're getting to the point where they have to take CPP and OAS, they have to take the RIF minimums. The RIF minimums are generally lower at that point. Mm -hmm. And we're able to just create less lifetime taxes. So not necessarily less taxes year by year during the 60s and 70s, but you know, considering the estate and later incomes, then we're able to really reduce those lifetime taxes and including in a lot of cases OAS clause back, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I found that delaying OAS, well, it was a smaller amount, I guess, and maybe that's why, but it doesn't seem to move the needle as much as CPP does. 
No, it's not as much. But the other thing, or I say there's kind of two things I'm looking at. The other one is life expectancies, they're growing. They're going to eventually, I think, start increasing a lot quicker as medical advancements continue. Like, I think it's 2035 is the year we're supposed to reach singularity, which is where AI catches up to human intelligence. So we'll see. <laughs> I heard that on your podcast and it scares me. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, right. Now, if that is the case, though, and all of a sudden we see people, you know, consistently living an extra 20 or 30 years of what we're seeing now, which is the prediction from a lot of people is that delay of OAS, even in the CPP, like having that guaranteed income that's increasing with inflation each year is going to have a huge impact because assuming the government and everything is in a good position financially, that's going to continue to go on forever mm -hmm. where we might be looking really good for how much is in our investments. If we're looking at 30 or 40 years, but if all of a sudden we're looking at 50 or 60 years, that might look a lot different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing to think about when taking CP, and this would be maybe for husband, wife or male, female partner, if you will, delaying the female's amount till let's say age 70 and maybe taking the male's amount earlier, just simply due to life expectancy would, I guess, allow if they needed the amount, like if they needed that for income. Sometimes I found that to be, you know, maybe he's not thinking that he would live past 85 or something like that. So maybe in those cases, and it could be legitimate uh, health reasons that they would be considering. So maybe in the fear of missing out on anything, maybe they might want to take that earlier and delay one of the other partners to have a larger amount, I guess, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Just in general, females having longer life expectancy. But you also mentioned health, right? I, that's a big factor in taking CPP or OAS yeah. as early as possible. If you know there's some kind of longevity, so I shouldn't say risk, I guess just the idea that, you know, maybe there is some kind of medical issue that will cause a lower life expectancy, then that's definitely a good reason to be taking it early. And there's some other reasons too, as far as, you know, how many years you worked or if you had lower income jobs where you aren't contributing the max to CPP, things like that. If you're going to retire at say age 55, well, you can only throw out eight years that you had no contributions or lower contributions out of the calculation. So if you're too many years before age 65, you can't get the max anyway. Mm -hmm. So in that case, rather than having, I guess, more of a penalty by having years where you weren't contributing, it might make sense to start taking it earlier as well. That's one of the other reasons we might want to look at taking it earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's very unique to everyone's situation. So it's one of those things that you really can't answer. Like it's a tough, common question, but I'm sounding like a broken record here, but you really can't answer that question unless you know all the other financial aspects of an individual's life and what their wishes are and plans and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm curious, Regan, what are some of the reasons that you hear from, whether it's clients or potential clients or just in general of why people decide or how they decide to take it, assuming they're not talking to a financial planner? I think it has a little bit to do with how much wealth they have and how many buckets of wealth and the variety of buckets of wealth they have. I think people who are, I guess, a little more comfortable are less concerned about when to take CPP and when not to, because it doesn't really, really affect them that much. So that I think plays a role in it. The other thing that I've found is that if they have kids, maybe they're not worried about leaving a legacy. So they'd want to take it earlier to get as much as they can in their lifetime possible, right? Which is a fair point, right? So if that means that they start taking it sooner, that means they have to draw more out of their RSPs throughout their lifetime and their TFSAs, non-reg, whatever it is, which leaves their net worth, and let's say at age 90, less. They're typically not going to be concerned about how much money they're leaving behind because they don't have children or someone like that that they feel like they need to leave money behind for. Sure. Yeah. I hate to say it, but the reason that I, I, I get most often is that well, I've been paying the government for my whole life. I just want to get my money back. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the consensus answer that I get from people when, even if they haven't taken it yet, but we're talking about planning and I might ask them, you know, have you thought about 
kind of what your strategy would be for when you take CPP or OAS. And I get that probably at least one of every two people I ask, which is a little bit scary to me because there is a lot to consider when making that decision. And I mentioned this now because I encourage people, you know, you can decide when you want to take it, but don't take it just because you have a chip on your shoulder to the government. Try to give it a little thought about your situation and what's going to be in your best interest. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's a good point because CBP is a very healthy pension fund. From everything that I've been reading anyways, it seems to be a very healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no risk of it not being able to continue doing what it's doing. So we, everyone contributes to it. So the government's really just the channel to make those transactions, but they're not the Canadian pension plan. They just have more of the rules and like how much we get and how much we put in and all that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. I think, you know, going at it with, like you said, a chip on your shoulder, I don't think that's the proper way to look at it. You really do have to look at it from your overall spectrum and where is that sweet spot specifically for you? That would be your ultimate or your optimal time to take it. I think just even having that information, like when you sat down with yourself or someone like myself or you, you know, we're going to go through and find that absolute sweet spot and then being able to understand what the pros, cons, the differences it makes, like you said, in your lifetime tax payable or how it affects your net worth or how it affects your cash flow now and in your 70s and 80s. Get that information first and then make a decision because doing it without having all those other answers, you really are just putting yourself in this little chamber and trying to make the decision with no real good data. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important people are considering the big picture when they're making these decisions because it's one decision, or we'll call it two, maybe we're talking about CPP and OAS, but <laughs> it factors into a, a bigger picture of all your retirement income planning. And also there's tax planning involved in that. So there's a lot going on in that one decision. Yeah, absolutely. We'll probably circle back to this conversation again in the future in regards to CPP and OAS. But to end this one off, I think it'd be good to let the listeners know, I guess, where they could find your podcast and I'll do the same. Sure. So my podcast is Your Retirement Planning Simplified. For anybody who hasn't already found it, probably by the time this comes out, we'll actually have a new website launch that I'm pretty excited about. So it's retirementplanningsimplified.ca. So on there, you'll be able to find podcasts, blog, any kind of other information we're putting out from an educational standpoint. So I'm pretty excited about that. Again, I think it should be good to go by the time this episode comes out. Nice. What about yourself, Regan? Yeah. Is that just like a educational hub for you then? Yeah. So what I'm doing right now is basically separating up my financial planning and retirement planning business from the educational side, because I really want to put a focus on the stuff that you and I are doing right now and putting out good information just to educate people. Because like, you know, I mean, we can't work with every single person that needs our help, right? In some cases, people don't need our help. They can do this, but they just need a little information. And for other people, it's just about having enough knowledge so that they feel comfortable approaching someone in our situation. So Long story short, yeah, we're really just trying to have this educational brand, Retirement Planning Simplified, which is all about just, I guess, empowering people to make good decisions around their retirement planning. And that's what that site's going to be all about. Nice. That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. So ours is, for your listeners, it's your Canadian retirement specialist and kind of same idea through the various social media channels. You know, we're just trying to put out good content and trying to give information and empower people and also give them, like you said, confidence if they were to need to reach out to an advisor you know, give them some general knowledge so that they don't feel intimidated, right? Yeah, you've probably ran into that, Regan. I know I, I get that quite a bit, actually. When people talk to me for the first time, they say, Joe, I've never actually reached out to a financial planner before because I just kind of embarrassed about what I don't know and I'm scared I'm going to ask stupid questions. And they kind of lead with that coming into the conversation. So yeah, like to me, that's kind of heartbreaking that people aren't getting the help that they could have been getting 10 years ago mm -hmm. just because of how they feel around that. So that's a big part of why I decided to kind of go down this road of education. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's very true. Actually, just recently I've dealt with that where someone was kind of a do-it-yourselfer, if you will. But as they got closer and closer to retirement, um, like this year and next year, basically a husband-wife kind of thing, they were like, okay, we need to speak to someone. So our client had referred them to us. They were able to watch a lot of our content before they we met with them. And she said the same thing that she was intimidated because they were embarrassed about certain things and also a little bit of lack of knowledge on just how to start actually doing the true retirement planning. But yeah, I think it's important for people to know that you and I, we don't care how much you know or don't. We're not judging by no means. Like we've seen just whatever situation there is and different variances of knowledge and everyone's different. And we definitely do not judge in that category. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you and I wouldn't have a job if uh, everyone was an expert. So <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it was definitely no judgment. And we just know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't know anything about and I'm not good at. Yeah. And this just happens to be the area where you and I, you know, have a bit of a passion and, and are able to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the takeaway there is uh, don't be afraid to reach out to a qualified advisor for retirement planning help. You got it. It's been great chatting again. Yeah. We will circle back and see you in a month. Sounds good, Regan. Thanks a lot. Take care. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.